BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yet another woman says um, she wants her money back. She was paid $150,000 to keep quiet about about an affair with Donald Trump. Uh, Is anybody keeping score here? Uh, (laughs) What do you say? Hello, folks. It's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, March 21. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Uh, Wait a minute. Is this the first day of spring? Uh, Yesterday was the first day of spring. But snowing outside. Believe it or not, <laughs> why yeah. did why did it wait so long? It's almost like, uh, like climate what? change is a real thing. <laughs> like uh, yeah, like what is going on? I don't know. Northeaster slamming the uh, northeastern part of the United States. Uh, indeed, uh, not so heavy here in Washington, but a lot heavier uh, north of us, of Philadelphia North. Um, uh, but here we are, and with all of you, uh, maybe experiencing some bad weather where you are as well. But it is good to see you today. Thank you for joining us as we take off uh, for the next two hours here to bring you up to date on the news of the day on many, from uh, many, many, many different fronts. Uh, the biggest news uh, just broke a couple of hours ago uh, that the serial bomber in Austin, the threat is gone. The serial bomber is dead. We'll bring you up to date on that. Uh, he blew up a package in his own car uh, and uh, and killed himself in the process. Uh, that's a good way to end it as any. Unfortunately, one police officer was injured uh, in trying to uh, take him into custody. Uh, at the same time, Donald Trump giving a big speech last night to Republicans where he said he is going to campaign all across the country this year for Republican candidates. Uh, and that's the best news that Democrats have heard in a long time. Uh, so we are joining you on YouTube, on Free Speech TV, and on the radio all across this great uh, land of ours. And yes, it is now a triple trouble for Donald Trump yesterday uh, on the front of female accusers, a, ca- a case against him by a former woman, a woman formerly who was on The Apprentice, Summer Zervos, is allowed to go forward in New York Super- Supreme Court, uh, Superior Court. Also, uh, some Stormy Daniels continuing her lawsuit to get out from the $130,000 that she was paid. Uh, and now Karen McDougal, a former Playboy model, uh, suing to get out from $150,000 that she was paid. 
All of that coming up, plus your comments. Remember, your comments so important on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. A new survey of 231 cities around the world by Uh Mercer takes Uh a look to see what city has the best quality of life. Now, before we get to the answers, I'll tell you what they based it on. They determined compensation and hardship allowances for international staff, uh, political stability, health care, education, crime, recreation, and transport. All those things being factored in. The most pleasant city to live in in the world with the best quality of life is... San Francisco. I'm sorry to say America doesn't have anything in the top no. ten. No. no. Number one is Vienna. Huh. Not Vienna, Virginia. No, Vienna, no, Austria. Yeah. <laughs> Vienna, Austria. Uh, by the way, eight of the world's top tens are in Europe. Germany and Switzerland have three cities in the top ten. New Zealand, Canada, Australia each have one. Uh, this is the ninth year in a row. Paris there? Paris is there. This is the ninth year in so. a row yeah. that yeah. Vienna at top. Now, uh, at the same time, what's the worst city? The city with the worst quality of life? Rio. Baghdad. Oh, I, well, I could have guessed that one. Oh. I, have to say, I have to say, I could have seen that one coming. By Gee, the way, Baghdad beat Kabul. Yeah. Well, well, like you talk about, you know, we personally didn't have any uh, here in America, didn't have any cities in the top 10, but we certainly helped make Baghdad, Baghdad the worst city in the world with our bombings and wars and all of that stuff. It certainly didn't help. So I guess we could share that, <laughs> having one of the worst. By the way, we, we missed an anniversary. I think yesterday was the 15th, 15th anniversary. 15th anniversary. 15th yeah, we an- talked the, about it. Of yeah. the war in Iraq. Can you imagine? This is the Bill Press Show. And here we are on this uh, Wednesday, March 21. Uh, it is the uh, Bill Press Show. Uh, welcome, everybody. The breaking news of the day, the Austin serial bomber is dead. An explosive blast inside of his own car, set up a package inside of his own car. And uh, that is the end of that uh, trauma and that incredibly scary scene in Austin, Texas, uh, for the last two or three weeks. Bring you up to date on that here. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where we keep track of everything going on here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from our studio, and also on uh, down at the White House, as well as around the rest of the country and around the globe. The latest to you every day with uh, our great lineup of guests and all of you, whether you're uh, joining us online on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining us here on uh, Free Speech TV all across this great land of ours or also on the radio out in WCPT in Chicago, in the greater Chicago area, uh, WCPT and in uh, Indianapolis through the state of Indiana on Indiana Talks. Uh, And by the way, just a little reminder, coming out to Chicago way on April 4 at the Frugal Muse Bookstore in Darien, Illinois. Uh, Very excited there, 6.30 p.m., a great big uh, book signing for my new book, From the Left, uh, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, So I hope uh, all of you in the Chicago area, come on, drive by on the way home from work, uh, say hello, and uh, we'll uh, 
talk about plans in across the country for Democrats to take back the House and some governorships, including in the state of Illinois, where the big primary uh, held yesterday. We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the program uh, with uh, J.B. Pritzker, the Democratic candidate for governor up against uh, Bruce Rauner and some important congressional races there. Chuy Garcia, a uh, great progressive leader, great friend of Senator Bernie Sanders, will be the uh, Illinois uh, the Democratic candidate in the 4th District of uh, Illinois. So lots, lots of good news from Illinois to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, we always want to hear from you and your comments on the news of the day uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. Yeah, Donald Trump's already out there tweeting this morning, but there's still a lot of room for you. Get your comments in on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, and yes, as I was just getting dressed this morning, my phone goes off. It was a flash from uh, uh, CNN that the Austin serial bomber is dead. Um, all we know now is, again, he was, uh, I guess, apprehended in his car. Police officers approaching the car. He blew up a package inside the car. I it appears to get the police officers. He was killed in the process, and they do have uh, haven't identified the suspect. What do we know, Peter? That's about that's about all we know. He's a 24 year old white male. They did say they didn't release his name yet. Uh, they they did find this car uh, based on some tips. They said it was a see something, say something. Uh, See something, say something. Mm-hmm. Situation where somebody thought that they saw something suspicious, called into the police. By the way, it's going to be very interesting to hear the story about what yeah. tipped them off, right? Yeah, totally. And that that hasn't come out yet, but they did say that it was a see something, say something situation. Uh, they pulled the car over. They attempted to approach it or whatever. Yeah, with mm-hmm. the car, and he set off the the uh, the bomb. Here is the police chief Brian Manley, who we've talked about. Like, we've heard clips from him for the, the past couple days talking about this. The suspect detonated a bomb inside the vehicle, knocking one of our SWAT officers back, and one of our SWAT officers fired at the suspect as well. The suspect <laughs> is deceased. So, like when I first saw the notification this morning, they had said there was a there was a gunfight. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the details are still coming in, and then he clarified that the officer did shoot upon uh, the suspect after the bomb had gone off. And I'm not totally clear why, but I, it sounds like maybe you know it was a who knows at the, uh, yeah. in, in that moment. Right. But you know, it's very possible. We don't know uh, that the, the guy was on the in the process of delivering that package. Uh, totally. to, to, to some location, uh, and you know he had hit the the at least one FedEx, maybe two FedEx uh, facilities with bombs headed to Austin, uh, which is a change in his mo from leaving the packages on the front porch or on the front door, or the latest uh, before that was uh, just leaving one on the ground where a tripwire and a guy's walking by. Uh, but the, you know he was a very a very sophisticated bomb maker. First of all, deadly deadly intent. And his aim was to do as much murder and mayhem as possible. Um, it was interesting. I, I read that uh, he had not been in communication directly with police officers. <coughs> Pardon me. But they felt that he was communicating with them the way he would change his tactics depending on what happened with one, what went wrong, what they found out, what they discovered. So in a sense... They were kind of out trying to outfox uh, each other, and you knew it was only a matter of time. But sadly, in the meantime, two people were killed, and I think some five injured. And the entire city of Austin uh, was—it was like here in Washington years ago when we had the sniper uh, in Washington. I mean, no matter where you lived in this area, you lived in mortal fear 
uh, because they were this, they were gunning people down at gas stations and supermarkets and and city parks, and you didn't know where they were going to strike. The same thing with the serial bomber in Austin. Uh, so um, that is uh, that's good news, and we'll be finding out more. Uh, uh, as we go along. Yeah, again, this just happened a, a couple hours ago. It happened overnight. Right. So, so the news uh, is, this is breaking news. Real in breaking the sense news. That it is breaking uh, as we speak. We'll keep our eye on that, bring you up to date. <clears throat> uh, later in the program, it is um, not such a good day for Donald Trump on uh, triple fronts. Uh, you know, he, so remember, there are some 20 women who have accused Donald Trump of crimes, basically. Sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, and he has dismissed them all, called them all liars, and managed to walk away from all of them with nothing happening to him, including getting elected president of the United States. But there are three of them that will not go away. And believe me, they're not the last three. And these three hit him, he, he got slammed yesterday by all three of them at once on different fronts. The first one that we know about and we have been talking about is Stormy Daniels. Uh, She won't go away. She's hired this very powerful new attorney. Uh, She is suing to get out from under a $130,000 non-disclosure agreement, meaning hush hush money agreement. Uh, He was given that money by Michael Cohen, the president's attorney, Cohen says, without the president's knowledge, although this happened last October, uh, and to, uh, I'm sorry, October, just just before the election, but there was arbitration about it just um, a couple of weeks ago. So this is active with the White House, with Stormy Daniels. So she's suing to get out from under that so she can tell her story. Uh, meanwhile, uh, she just... <laughs> She lets little bits of the story drop here and there. Uh, she will give an interview. She has already taped an interview uh, for 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper, which will air Sunday night. We don't know what she says. Uh, I think CBS will be releasing little snippets of that interview as a tease uh, for the show Sunday night. But I will. my guess is that she will tell us, without violating her agreement, she will tell us just enough that we will know for sure that she's telling the truth and Donald Trump is lying. Uh, She was asked yesterday uh, whether or not it's true that she was sleeping with Donald Trump, uh, and she uh, very cleverly said, well, there wasn't much sleeping that uh, that went on, if you get my drift. Yeah, okay. So (laughs) some of the details of this we really don't need to know. Uh, At any rate, that's Stormy Daniels. On another front, and we mentioned this before, up in New York State, of those 20 women who have accused Donald Trump of sexual uh, assault and sexual harassment, one of them has managed to file a lawsuit and keep it going. So uh, when I said all 20, it's really 19 out of 20 Donald Trump has been able to sideline. Summer Zervos was a a contestant on The Apprentice, right? Yeah. And she's filed a a sexual harassment lawsuit against Donald Trump, which has been moving uh, in the New York Superior Court, uh, Donald Trump's lawyers um, filed a motion to have this case dismissed because, why? Because he's president of the United States and he's too busy to have to deal with little silly lawsuits like this. 
that argument was made by Bill Clinton, by the way, uh, against uh, Paula Jones and Monica Lewinsky having to testify in the Paula Jones case. And Donald, uh, Bill Clinton lost that at the Supreme Court of the United States. So Donald Trump's lawyers are trying the same tactic. And a New York Superior Court judge yesterday said, oh, no, no, I don't buy that. Uh, he's president, but he's not above the law. You know, this he's is got, a, as this case has to go forward. The, that is huge. It's a big, big deal. Huge. This The other stories are definitely more salacious uh, yeah, right, but, in, in their details. But this means that women that have come forward and said these things about Donald Trump, it means that they will get their day in court. Yep. And yeah. Donald she Trump will, was, and by extension, they all will. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, you know Gloria Allred? She's a smart attorney. She will find a way to bring these women in. Oh yeah, I bet you. Oh, how, she's in other words. Yeah. Oh, you don't believe her? Well, let me, let me let's introduce you to some of our witnesses. Yeah, this one and this one and this one mm-hmm. and this one. Yeah, and all these different. Line women. them up. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, it's it's really funny. Donald Trump in the wake of the Rob Porter situation, where they had this this guy uh, who was a a serial wife beater, wife beater, <laughs> uh, said, "Is there anything?" Left or is, is there anything such as due process anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he's a, we're about to find out. Yeah, some are, some reserves. About to get some. Some reserves will get her. Uh, yeah, due process. Let's hope. Uh, and so that's one, two, one, two. Third, a new woman has surfaced. Her name is Karen McDougal. Uh, she's a former Playboy model who alleges that she had an affair with Donald Trump. And get this, she was paid one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. By the National Enquirer, which got her story, they were going to report her story. Then Michael Cohen, um, there he is again, the president's attorney, because the head of whoever the publisher of the National Enquirer is, is a big buddy of Donald Trump's. He tells Donald, I got this story. Donald Trump, you can't publish that. He gets Michael Cohen involved. And they paid this Karen McDougal $150,000, more than Stormy Daniels got. Not... To uh, for her to agree that they would not publish her story and that she wouldn't talk about it, so uh, 130 to Stormy, 150 to Karen McDougal. Man, they're throwing money around like you know what. Uh, and now Karen McDougal has sued to get out from under this particular agreement, saying again it is not valid for whatever reasons. Uh, but that's in court. So um, you know, I, I I never thought I'd live the day to see the day when a Republican <laughs> president. Right, would be caught up in paying two hundred and eighty thousand dollars now to two women in hush money, one a porn star and one a Playboy model in hush money, not to talk about their extramarital affairs with him, and Republicans in Congress would say, "What? What? What are you talking about? Why is this important? Oh, oh no! Oh, our president's a porn star. I mean, he uh, no." No, I'm sure they would have done the same thing with Barack Obama. Of course, yeah. they, they would just not just the not idea, comment on it. The idea that Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell still stand by this guy and all the rest of them is just unfreaking believable. What will it take? What will it take? Well, you know, it's it's oh. it's funny you mention. I, I had this conversation with one of my kids yesterday, right? Because I was watching some news and we were talking about it, and they were just saying like, "When are they going to do something?" And I was just like. I don't think they are. Yeah. I don't think the Republicans will do anything about anything. And I brought up again the the line that he said about shooting somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and getting away with it. The Republicans would say, like, uh, 
They'd yeah. find a reason to to get him <laughs> off the hook there and let him off the hook. And until there's a real change in in leadership, meaning some of these guys get voted out, <laughs> well, it's not going to change. It's going to be the same thing. Uh, I had a chance yesterday uh, to meet for the first time somebody whom I admire uh, a great deal, Tom Steyer. Oh, wow. Tom nice. Steyer, who's been running this national, with his money, billionaire from California, running this national impeach President Trump campaign. You can go online and millions and millions of America have signed, Americans have signed a petition. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, unfortunately, Tom, you know, I just don't think there's any chance this year, as long as Republicans hold the Congress. I mean, I love what you're doing, but, you know, look, from a practical matter, it ain't going to work. And Tom said, no, he says, you know, uh, you are, you're discounting the fact that between now and the end of the year, uh, Donald Trump is not going to do anything, some, could not do anything really, really, really bad, really wrong. And I said, no, I am I'm, I am sort of discounting that. In fact, I said, I, I believe that Donald Trump could fire Robert Mueller and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell will still not do anything. 100%. At, 100, what? 100%. I agree uh, with you. Yeah. Uh, and Tom had to say, well, you're probably right, you know. And, and, and by the way, I could, I believe that we could find out, Stormy Daniels could get out from under this, Karen McDougal, and they could tell their entire story, and it would be as disgusting and as salacious as you can imagine with all the details, no doubts that this was Donald Trump, and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell would stand by him. No doubt. Yeah, I think that's going to happen, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I think that their stories will their come stories. out. Absolutely. And I think that everybody will circle the wagons around Donald Trump and just make sure he's okay. Yeah. Uh, on the uh, Donald Trump, on the Robert Mueller front, by the way, uh, uh, Mitch, we, we, we talked uh, last time we were together because I was, uh, Peter, thank you for filling in yesterday, out um, the yesterday, but on Monday we talked about uh, some Republicans uh, over the weekend said when it looked like Robert Mueller, I mean, Donald Trump was building up with all of his tweets, his tweet storm over the weekend against Robert Mueller to maybe firing Robert Mueller, uh, that Trey Gowdy, Jeff Flake, Lindsey Graham came out in various ways and said, no, no, that's not a good idea. Yesterday, Paul Ryan at his news conference uh, said, uh, no, I stand by the uh, independent counsel. He should be able to do his job. Uh, the one that we hadn't heard from at all was Senate leader uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, but in his own way, uh, he weighed in yesterday, basically sending a message, I think, to Donald Trump saying, uh, don't even try to fire, fire Robert Mueller. I don't think Bob Mueller is going anywhere. Uh, I think there's widespread feeling, and the president's lawyers obviously agree, that he ought to be allowed to finish the job. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, I mean, yeah. Yeah, not a really strong endorsement. I was going to say that's a, no, that, that's something that, you could easily walk back. Yeah, I'll put right, it that way. right. But uh, he is in his own way. You know, the turtle there is sending uh, the, the, the the president uh, a message. But uh, meanwhile, at the White House briefing, uh, our briefing yesterday, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. By the way, I really decided. You know, the, you know why I don't feel the need or the desire to go to the White House briefings anymore. I'll go occasionally just to keep my Sure. Or in, it's because I can watch Fox News at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have to go to the White House to hear Fox News, right, or to watch to see it. Right, and that's what we've got at Fox News. We have not a press secretary. We've got a propagandist at the White House. Who? So she asked about Robert Mueller yesterday. Who's attacking whom? Listen to this. Just outrageous. 
If you had been attacked uh, mercilessly and continuously, day in, day out, every single second, while you're trying to work hard to do good things for this country, and literally every day you wake up to an onslaught of people saying that you're there because of reasons uh, that that are completely false, that's <laughs> frustrating. What? Who's attacking whom here? Cry me a river. Yeah, cry me a river. By the way, you show me one tweet in the last year where Robert Mueller has attacked Donald Trump. You show me one public statement where Robert Mueller has said anything about Donald Trump. Uh, Uh, Show me where Robert Mueller said anything. uh, Yeah, exactly. At all. I don't even know what he sounds like. I don't either. (laughs) No, seriously. I mean, who's the constant attacker? It's Donald Trump. Come on, Sarah. I mean, Jesus. All right. And then she says, right. I mean, of this. Now, this is the Department of Justice. This is the FBI, right? This is a criminal investigation that Donald Trump brought on himself by firing James Comey. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, it's just absurd. To pretend like uh, going through this absurd process for over a year would not bring frustration seems a little bit ridiculous. I don't think that any individual, including members of Congress, would like it if they had been accused of taking their seat in Congress by doing something nefarious when they hadn't. I love that her argument is basically, yeah, we think that this should be over. So why the hell isn't it over yet? Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally all that they're saying is like, yeah. we don't think that this should be going on anymore. Well, who cares? Yeah, that's right. Who, <laughs> yeah. who gives a crap what you think about it? I know. All right. And so just tying this together, if I can. So she was also asked about Vladimir Putin and uh, whether or not the president should have congratulated him uh, or even given him a call. Because at first, when this total bo- pardon me, bogus phony election by the way i don't know whether, did you see i saw a video actually of their stuffing the ballots there's video of no, it video, there's there's video there, of there, it but paper in the boxes like that right there was, was another video <laughs> that was that was so good because it was as they started doing the ballot stuffing one of the poll workers walks over to the camera with a giant bouquet of balloons <laughs> And the balloons float up oh, yeah. in front of the camera, and whoops! Yeah, we don't, we can't see what happened after that. Right? Yeah. Like, come on! So At any rate, so after all of that, everybody said the first. The White House said, "No, Donald Trump's not going to call Putin. No, we're not going to call after that sham of an election." Well, of course he did. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders, she defends it. Here she is defending it yesterday. After all. He was elected. Putin has been elected in their country, and that's not something that we can dictate to them how they operate. We can only focus on the freeness and the fairness of our election, something we 100% fully support. Oh, fine. Let's focus on that. Wait. (laughs) The freeness and fairness of our elections with Russian collusion and Russian interference, which Donald Trump still has not recognized and has not condemned? Yeah. Yeah. We really stand for the fairness and the freeness of our elections. Yeah. While the Russians are doing everything they can to undermine it, and we wink and look the other way. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure she wants that. I'm not sure she wants us to focus on the freeness and fairness uh, of our elections. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that <laughs> she doesn't. Oh man. Uh, so related on that front, um, Donald Trump hired another lawyer. 
So we talked about this yet. Well, by the way, he tried to hire two of them. One of them turned him down. Uh, Ted Olson, former Solicitor General of the United States of America, and by the way, uh, a conservative, uh, a Republican. Uh, I know him not really, really well, but he is the he was the co lead in the council in the team that brought the case defending same-sex marriage to the United States Supreme Court, David Boies and Ted Olson, uh, and a Democrat and, and Republican. Um, at any rate, uh, Donald Trump tried to get Ted Olson, who's now with Gibson, Dunn & Crutcher, the great law firm, to uh, come to the White House and help him out in all these myriad legal battles. And Ted Olson yesterday said, uh, no thanks. Uh, he said it politely, but what he was really saying is, you're not my, you're not my kind of Republican. I'm not going to defend you. You know, it's funny. We talked yesterday on the show about uh, – I know you're going to go next with Joe DeGeneva, a guy that yeah. joined the Trump legal team. And I wondered out loud if there were any lawyers who would actually say no to Donald Trump because at the well, end of the day, yeah. after all, they are lawyers. Yeah, we found one. We found one. Yeah, We exactly. found one. And the one they did hire, of course, is uh, Joe DeGeneva. And, you know, I think there's a connection between this and what we talked about is obviously when Donald Trump is looking for women that he wants to bed, he goes to porn stars, Right. Or Playboy model. I don't want to say this that's the same, but you know that's a there's a kind of generic field there, if you will. Uh, when he wants to hire people, he goes to Fox News. Yeah. Larry Kudlow sees him on Fox News. He's great. Let's hire him. Joe DeGeneva sees him on Fox News. Fox contributor. He's great. Let's hire him. He's tough. And uh, I know uh, I know Joe DeGeneva. Um, I've known him a long time. He uh, went to my high school, Wilmington, Delaware, Salesiana. Uh, and he is a junkyard dog. He's also crazy in thinking that the FBI, which he s- claims, is was out to from the beginning to frame Donald Trump. They tried to. This is Joe's theory. This is what Donald Trump wants. This is his theory. And here Joe say it on on Fox, and he says, "I agree with him. Let's bring him in." That the FBI tried to tilt this election to Donald Trump, and when that failed, I, I'm sorry, tilt the election to Hillary Clinton, of course. After, by the way, after all of that James Comey did to Hillary Clinton, where some people can even make the case, as Landy Davis did in his book, that because of James Comey, Donald Trump is president today and Hillary Clinton is not. I mean, Comey went out of his way to destroy Hillary Clinton. But the theory, the DeGeneva theory is, no, the FBI was out to elect Hillary Clinton, and when they failed, they framed, that's a word, framed Donald Trump with false accusing him of false of false crimes. That's the entire basis uh, of the White House case, if you will, against the Mueller investigation. And that's the that's the case that Donald Trump hired Joe DeGeneva to go uh, and present to the American people uh, and to uh, to the just in the in the in the courts. Uh, I don't think it'll work, but he is a junkyard dog and Donald Trump got exactly what he wanted. Uh, and uh, I would just uh, point out in the uh, interest of a full disclosure that at one time in my career, uh, I had a very good friend of mine who got in trouble with the law. And I uh, had been to many, many different events with him and many different dinners with him, and my name showed up in a lot of um, records d- dealing with this case. And I got a knock on my front door one day, and I went, and it was an FBI agent who wanted to interview me. And I said, um, well, I'll talk to you, but I'm not going to talk to you. You're, you're not coming into my house, and I'm not going to uh, talk to you without a lawyer. Uh, and so uh, I had to go in and be interrogated by the FBI, and uh, I hired uh, the toughest lawyer that I could find oh, to represent me 
against with the FBI. Yes, I hired Joe DeGenova. <laughs> oh my God! Did you really? Yes, I did. And you know what? He did a damn good job. It was one meeting. It was over, and they never came back. Well, there you so, go. Um, so, <clears throat> Donald Trump and I have something in common. One other thing, I got to get this in. Okay, this is let's end a little bit of good news here. Okay. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are getting married. Yeah. In May. Yeah. Right. Yesterday they announced who is going to make the wedding cake. Oh, really? I didn't see yes. that. Yes. They announced that the uh, the person who's going to make the wedding cake is the owner of Violet Baker, Vi- Violet's Bakery in London. She is a young woman who grew up in Inverness, California. Oh, come on. And was the best friend of our son, David. No way. And her parents, best friends of ours, Jean and Elizabeth Patak. And her name is Claire Patak, P-T-A-K. And she has been living in England, has a little baby. She's been there maybe for the last eight years or so. And and she was a former pastry chef at Chez Panisse with Alice Waters. That's where she she was trained. She's doing. Knows what she's doing. Moved to England. She's married. Has this little baby. Francis, and uh, she was selected by the prince and the princess or, well, to be, right, to uh, to make their wedding cake. Isn't that that's, great? That's so cool. I know. I know. Have you ever had any of her stuff? Have you ever? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've been to our house many times for oh, dinner. Oh, that's and awesome. Claire, uh, we would often make dessert, and uh, and there she is. So I'm just so excited for her. You can find it. Just uh, Claire Patak Violet's Bakery. Check it out. Uh, great, great, great story. I think it's a lemon elderberry cake or something like that. That sounds yeah. very British. Yeah. yeah, That sounds right. very British. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get on with it. What is happening with this Mueller investigation? What can we expect? Jonathan Easley joins us next from The Hill. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. Look forward to hearing from you on the news of the day on Twitter at BP Show. Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. And on a Wednesday, March 21, a little snowy day here in Washington, D.C. Yeah, we didn't have any snow all winter long. They wait until spring to decide uh, to test out uh, a little snow. Don't know how much we're going to get. A lot more north of here at any rate. And uh, it is now officially out. Uh, I'm talking about my new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, I had a great interview yesterday with... uh, our good friend Julie Julie Mason over at uh, Sirius uh, XM about the book, uh, and you can so you can get it now in your local bookstore on uh, online at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever. And uh, uh, always tell you the best way to get it may be and the easiest to go to our website BillPressShow.com uh, and follow the link right on the front to order your signed uh, copy. Uh, it's just a, a fun romp romp through so far. I call it. Um, memoir part one because there's a lot more uh, a lot more to go um, but Bernie Sanders is good enough to uh, put um, a little blurb on the front of this uh, about from the left quote the tale of an engaged and often outraged citizen who loves his country and wants to see it move forward in a progressive direction thank you uh, Senator Sanders uh, get your copy uh, it's a fun read I think you really uh, really enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed writing it uh, yes, it was a topic du jour yesterday. Uh, they'd rather talk about, they don't want to talk about Robert Mueller at the White House, but they'd rather talk about him than Stormy Daniels. Uh, so uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders 
cry me a river. Of course Donald Trump is going to tweet out about Robert Mueller. What would you do if somebody was attacking you every day, says Sarah Huckabee Sanders? Right? Uh, I mean, come on. If you had been attacked uh, mercilessly and continuously, day in, day out, every single second, while you're trying to work hard to do good things for this country, and literally every day you wake up to an onslaught of people saying that you're there because of reasons uh, that, that are completely false, that's frustrating. Oh, oh, it's so sad and so unfair. Jonathan Easley joins us from the Hill. <laughs> Cry me a river, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who's attacking whom here? Right. I mean, it's clearly kind of getting to them this idea that Trump or the White House are obsessed with the Mueller probe. And, and uh, uh, you know, Republicans are starting to say it out loud. Trey Gowdy over the weekend saying Trump looks like he's behaving in a manner uh, of someone who's guilty. And so it's I think it's those criticisms that are starting to get to the White House and, uh, you know, I mean, on, on one hand, they do have a point, right? If you're being accused of something every day and you believe you're innocent, you're going to want to defend yourself against that. Um, but, but, uh, but I must say, I have not heard Robert Mueller accuse the president of anything. Right. And I think you said it earlier, we haven't heard anything from Mueller, which is remarkable in and of itself. No, no leaks. I, I haven't heard anybody working for Mueller accuse the president of anything. Right. 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 Uh, I think so, I mean, the, there have been a, the attacks have been coming from, well, there, there have been stories from the media, and if there have been any attacks from some Democrats, but Mueller himself has kept a very tight-lipped operation. Right. I mean, the, the main takeaway here is that it's the media has sort of been the one that has been uh, that, that's been pushing forward the, the Russian narrative. The, the leaks that they get, they don't appear to be coming from the special counsel, they're from witnesses or other folks who have been contacted either by the, the House or Senate intelligence <laughs> committees or the, or the special counsel who have been talking to the media that have pushed this forward. And really, it's kind of exploded over the last few weeks. You've got yeah. um, the, the subpoenas to the Trump Organization, business deals, Jared Kushner, the Kushner company. Companies. You've got these meetings in, in Seychelles, if I say that right. The, yeah, I think you're right. That's the way I <laughs> um, say it. So. Okay, good. Uh, so so really, I mean, the, the scope now is kind of breathtaking, and I think we're seeing President Trump uh, somewhat alarmed, and that's why we see him sort of adding to his legal team, them trying to add to their legal team. Uh, they're not adding to the in-house legal team, which I think is, is sort of telling right now. It's these sort of outside attack dogs, uh, the, the Seculos, uh, DG. De Genova, who you said you have De personal De Genova, thanks. De Genova, who yeah. you said you have a personal relationship with, <laughs> or or have worked with in the past. Yeah, yeah. My lawyer. Your at lawyer one t- at one time, right? Right, right. I needed an attack dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so uh, does Donald Trump. So does Donald Trump. <laughs> Looks like that's what he's doing. So right. So um, Ty Cobb, one of the president's lawyers, um, assured the president that the, the don't worry, the Robert Mueller probe will be over by Thanksgiving, last Thanksgiving. Uh, then he said, no, Christmas. And they said, no, uh, well, New Year's. Um, it's March 21. Is it about to end anytime soon? It, it doesn't look like it, does it? I mean, I, I guess me. it's possible. I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I think we're starting to hear some rumblings of discontent about the, the White House in-house legal counsel because Ty Cobb has been saying that. He's been saying it to the press since last October, I think, that they think it's going to be over around yeah. Thanksgiving, around no, Christmas, I mean, around I, New Year. I mean, I, I, I'm at the briefing room, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders says, no, what we're told is it's about to end. And, you know, we all look at each other and say, where is she getting that from? Right? And, I mean, you got to, I mean, I think that that's adding to sort of uh, this this pressure on Trump to add to his outside legal team. I mean, it's, 
Uh, it's got to be frustrating when you're told that it's it's going to come to an end. They've been working with the special counsel to bring this to a swift conclusion in the hopes that he would come out and say something that would clear Trump of at least the collusion part. And we, we just haven't heard any of that. So it makes you, I mean, how long could this go on? Could it go on through the midterms? We, we have no idea because, like you said, Mueller's not talking, not leaking. Right. When uh, John Dowd over the weekend said um, the president's, uh, you know, first of all, uh, let me stop right there. When you are lowering, lawyering up, right? Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a good sign, is it? Particularly when you are adding lawyer on top of lawyer on top of lawyer. Right? It's interesting. To I can't s- keep track of all of his right attorneys, right? Right, now. and there's it's interesting because there's this sort of there's just this break between his outside attorneys and then the in-house attorneys, and it's the the outside attorneys. You got Dowd who sent Washington into a frenzy uh, over the weekend by by calling on the the probe to come to an end. You've got yeah. Jay Sekulow, obviously known for going on Hannity every night. He's got his morning radio show attacking the FBI, attacking the deal. And special counsel, and now DeGeneva, who uh, has yeah. made a name for himself. I mean, he's a very a prominent white-collar attorney out in D.C., but has also made a name for himself on Fox News in conservative media, attacking theory, James Comey. the FBI is, is all in, out to get Donald Trump. That's the, their whole right. These, right. These outside attorneys that he seems to bring on to do sort of the, the, the attacking, while it's the in-house attorneys sending these documents over to Mueller and telling Trump that it's going to be ending any, any day now. So uh, an interesting division of labor there, I think. Right. So when John Dowd did say, end this, just pull the plug right now, right? That's what he should do. Um, He claims uh, that Donald Trump had no idea he was going to send that tweet out. That seems like that came directly from the president to me. I, I don't have any reporting to confirm that, but that's, that, that seems to reflect the president's thinking, the president's eagerness Almost to get out in unquote. front of this. Right, right. And uh, like we said, it'd be in line with what his other outside lawyers do. So, uh, look, I, I, I don't know how John Dowd feels personally or if, he, if he's frustrated or feels pressure to get that out there, but he, it, it certainly seems to reflect the president's So thinking. Ty Cobb is inside or outside? I lose track. Ty Cobb is inside. Yeah, he's and inside. he's been the one sort of... Uh, He's he's been the front person at the White House dealing with Mueller. Um, his team has sort of been in a holding pattern. I mean, they for the last few weeks they've been saying that their work there is essentially done. That they've given everything to Mueller that he's asked for, and they've sort of been sitting there while in the media we see a, a different story developing, which is that this sort of growing, expanding investigation into Trump's business empire, Jared Kushner's business empire, and then these overseas meetings between Eric Prince. Uh, you had the guy, mm-hmm. uh, David Nader, who's the, the Middle East expert, who uh, they apparently met at that resort in the Indian Ocean. So uh, really just a breathtaking expansion, at least as we're seeing in the media, while the in-house legal team says that they think their work is done. What do you read into in the fact that the... Um uh, that Ted Olson, who is one of the most highly regarded attorneys in Washington, uh, turned him down yesterday. I mean, I think that would by, by the way, not only turned him down, but Gibson, Dunn, and Crusher announced officially <laughs> the chairman of the of the company announced that Gibson, Dunn, and Crusher and Mr. Olson will not be representing the president of the United States. Right, right. I mean, that would have been a big get <laughs> for Donald Trump, I think. Um, it was yeah. also sort of a big... Big letdown in a public, uh, you know. I mean, there's commercial reasons I think for the law firm not to want to be associated with, with the president at this time. So, <laughs> you know, that I I believe that they put the offer out there and were eager to get him on the team, and they they couldn't close the deal. And there's probably a lot of reasons to go. What I mean to have the one of certainly the most prominent white collar 
law firms or business law, whatever, Gibson Dunn and Crutcher in the country, right? Yeah, yeah. Representing him would be would have been a big get. For it, it would have. And yeah, Ted, and Ols- I think it- Ted Olson himself, because of his, uh, what was the name of the case? The Supreme Court, the same-sex marriage case. Um, her name. The, uh, I'm trying the, to remember her name, and I can't yeah. remember her name. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, but uh, you know, a, a, a historic case, right? Where Ted Olson and David Boys going in front of the Supreme Court on that and uh, and winning and winning that case, uh, and then Ted Olson, former Solicitor General of the United States. Right, right. I mean, it's it's telling also that that Trump is seeking that level of of uh, of of legal help right now, right? I mean, it's it. I think it shows yeah. the level of urgency that he that he feels and the frustration that he feels with that the fact that the the probe continues and it's who knows when it's going to come to an end. Right. Um, so far as we know. Um, so um, it, the thing about Mueller, uh, I've said this so many times, he's the only person in Washington, I think, who can uh, keep a secret, right? Uh, right? So we don't really know where he's going, but um, we didn't know that Paul Manafort's stuff was going to drop, and it did, or George Papadopoulos was a total surprise, right? Right. We sort of suspected Michael Flynn might have been in the crosshairs, but sure. that Michael Flynn would be cooperating with him. Right. We didn't write. Mm-hmm. Then the indictment of these 13 Russians. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. So where is he going next? Exactly. What? Exactly. I mean, what other new characters is he going to introduce into this drama? Or could he bring it to an abrupt halt? I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, these these stories about, you know, um, Mueller looking into X or Y or Z or whatever. It's, they seem countless at this point, but also it's expected, right? We expect him to look into every nook and cranny and, and, and get to the bottom of all this. Um, but, I mean... More indictments could drop. Certainly, more indictments, like we saw against the thirteen Russians. But also, he could he could at some point bring it to a close. We the, we just don't know. We, yeah. But the one little clue that we did get recently, I guess, is new word. Um, forget who reported it first. That he the special counsel has subpoenaed, not requested, subpoenaed documents related to Trump organization's business dealings with. Russian official with, with Russian oligarchs or Russian companies, right? Prior to the presidential campaign, right? Prior to the so right. So, what right. does that tell us? That follow the money? It, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, if you're if you're the president and he's subpoenaing your business records, that's that's got to be alarming, right? Um, the Trump organization has said they've been working with a special counsel, and usually that entails a special counsel requesting documents, and you. Yeah. Getting them over. So a subpoena is that's that's a different level here. Does the um, subpoena indicate that maybe they got tried to get them willingly and they wouldn't? That's turn what it them indicates. Over? Yeah, yeah. So why didn't they turn them over? Look, I I don't know. Uh, some of Trump's lawyers have told me that they believe that those the subpoena is very limited in scope. This might have just been some sensitive business deal that the Trump organization didn't want to hand over, and they were trying to sort of hold out until the last moment. Um, I don't know, but but certainly a subpoena to the Trump business empire has got to be alarming to the president. They don't want it to go there. Uh, okay. yeah. it's, it's not out out of the question, or is it? Is I guess I'm asking you to follow this theory, which I've heard from several people, is that that Donald Trump was so involved in attempted business deals or actual business deals, bank loans, selling condos, God knows what, with Russian oligarchs close close to the Kremlin or even some Kremlin people himself, that that did influence, uh, does influence his 
attitude toward Putin, the fact that he hasn't criticized Putin, the fact that he hasn't condemned Russia for interfering in our election, uh, uh, or that that led them to say, hey, this guy's our buddy. We want to get our money back. We got to help him get elected and not Hillary. I mean, certainly the there's just so many conflicts when your business dealings are are that reaching, right? And I mean, that's part of the reason why some of the people I talked to question why Jared Kushner ever went into the White House. You come into the White House, and that's what people start digging into. They start looking into those business deals. Are there um, people trying to influence you? Are are you profiting off of your position in the White House? We've seen, you know, um, I, you know, Ivanka Trump still dealing with some of these things where her business she profiting off, you know, having this this high profile position in the, in the White House. I mean, it's We've we've never seen anything like it. We've never seen someone come into the White House with this number, of, with this expansive of a business empire and this big of a brand that's directly tied to his name too. That's the other thing that we haven't seen before. The you know the Trump name is that is his his business. So I mean certainly it raises all those kinds of questions. I mean I don't know that that's something that Mueller is necessarily looking into, but clearly Trump had business dealings in in Russia. How did that impact him? I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully, uh, you know, certainly we can't we, we can't rely on any of the, the congressional committees, I don't think, to get to a, uh, an answer on any of this that people are going to be satisfied with. And it just it all hangs on on Mueller to hopefully get to the bottom of all of these things. Right. So it could be financial funny money in, in Moscow, which led to helping or, or knowing what the Russians were doing and not interfering in, in terms of uh, trying to influence our election and not interfering or maybe even helping them do that and could even have led to cutting uh, uh, cutting off the investigation with James Comey because he felt that Comey was going to get close to this stuff. Right? Well, it sounds like Mueller is looking into the obstruction allegation and Trump is just lining up new enemies to to come at him on this with the firing of McCabe right before he was supposed to get his, his pension. I mean, obviously, yeah. the personnel department of the FBI recommended that. And I think if, if handled properly, that's even maybe uh, something that that Trump would have been able to uh, capitalize on. I mean, it seems like he was sort of on the right side there, but the way that they handle everything, obviously McCabe was was ready to come out with his own uh, media offensive, and he just you just have um, a, a, another data point here where Trump has another enemy who's able to say this is an effort by him to undermine the special counsel. It's part of his continuing assault on on law enforcement, and we just it's just uh, yeah, obviously obstruction is a big part of this. And I think Mueller's looking into that. So ostensibly, McCabe was fired because he leaked to the media and then lied about it, uh, which is, we're told, um, brought out in the Inspector General's report. Well, I think there, we there have, could... Have right. we seen the Inspector no. General's report? No, yet? I mean, it could drop at any hour. It's expected sometime in the okay. spring. It's officially... We've been spring for 24 hours or whatever. So, uh, but it, the, the, I think it could go even beyond that. That's, that's what we've seen is reported, yeah. is that he, he, he spoke to the media when he wasn't authorized to, and then I think probably lied about it to the IG or something like that. Um, I think the the report could be more damning than that for McCabe. That's sort of his spin on it right mm-hmm. now, but we could we could see some more um, allegations drop about his handling of either the Clinton or the Trump investigations. He is also uh, a witness in the Mueller investigation and has given Robert Mueller his memos, we're yeah. told. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Which I, is, could, is not good news for Donald. Trump. Not good news for Donald Trump. No, I mean there's they're 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 all out, they're enemies at this point. So the more enemies he has out there giving private documents to the to the special counsel, not not good not good for the president. Uh, by the way, a little programming note: uh, as uh, Jonathan just pointed out, um, Andrew McCabe was fired 26 hours before his uh, pension kicked in. 
uh, and uh, just out of spite by Jeff Sessions, who was trying to save his own job, I believe. Um, uh, at any rate, if he were just to get a job for another 48 hours, he could qualify for his pension. So one member of Congress, Congressman Mark Pocan, has actually uh, offered him a job in his congressional office to work on campaign security matters. Uh, Congressman Mark Pocan is our guest uh, just about an hour from now uh, here on the Bill Press Show, uh, a little less, actually, 40 minutes from now. And we'll ask him whether or not he's we'll make news here. <laughs> no. Has, has, a, has a, um, the uh, Deputy Attorney General accepted his position on his campaign staff. Nice. I, th- I think... Uh, or deputy FBI director. Right, right. I honestly think the sort of the lasting impact that this whole McCabe fiasco is going to have is I think we're going to see a sp- second special counsel. You're seeing a lot of momentum for that on Capitol Hill among among Republicans who don't think the, the Justice Department and the FBI are capable of investigating themselves. Um, and That's what we need, another special counsel. Uh, yeah, can you right. imagine? My I mean, head yeah. is starting no. to spin already. You no. think there's a frenzy in Washington every day right now, wait until you know there's a grand jury convened to investigate Trump's well, who political enemies. To, who would have to appoint a special counsel? Well, Jeff Sessions has already appointed someone to investigate whether a second special counsel is warranted. Um, Sessions has obviously recused himself from all Russia-related matters pertaining to the campaign. I don't know if that means he can still appoint a second special counsel or if that then goes to Rosenstein. Um, I don't know exactly what that process is, but he's appointed someone right now who he described as a DOJ veteran who is from outside of Washington, to look into whether a second special counsel is needed. And Republicans, I mean, this has just become a thing. They want to see a second one. So some do. Some, most, I think, I think most, most do. So a lot of prominent Republicans are sort of getting on board with that idea. Now. Um, okay. Is Donald Trump going to meet with Robert Mueller? Uh, that's what they're negotiating right now. He seems eager to. His lawyers well, do not seem some days very eager seems, for him to, some, to meet. Some minutes him. of some days he seems eager to. <laughs> right, right. Um, obviously, the back and forth right now is over the scope and the breadth of that interview and then how it would be conducted, whether it's in writing, whether it's in person, whether it's with Mueller or one of his investigators. Um, the White House is obviously eager to, to keep the scope very limited. Um, I, I think if it happens, it's going to be one of the final, it'll be at, like at the final stage of the special counsel. You don't get a second chance to interview the president for something like this. It'll be the one one crack at it, and then we'd likely see, unless the president incriminates himself or, or is dealing with something like that in, you know, in, in that meeting, you'd likely see so it. They're, an playing, end to the they're playing all counsel. kinds of games about whether it's right in person or video and whether it's, you know, da 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 da. da. Um, but in the end, he can't say no, can he? I uh, he can. It wouldn't. It wouldn't look well, good. I, I I think. I think we'll see it happen. I, mean, I think we'll see it happen. In the end, wouldn't the Supreme Court? I mean, we've been through this with right, Bill Clinton. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I. I, I, I read I don't this think morning. Bob no. Bennett, the, right. uh, the the Bill Clinton's attorney at the time, said, "Yeah, they lost in the Supreme Court, but in effect, they won because they delayed the interview." With, right. with Ken Starr. So they right. bought themselves time to get through the midterm elections. And so in the end, while they lost, they actually felt that they won some. some right. So, so we, we could see some games like that. I mean, the you know, I, <clears throat> Trump is out there saying he doesn't have anything to hide. I think when he first made the remarks that he would uh, uh, he was happy or even eager to meet with the special counsel, he walked into a room full of reporters and said it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he wants right. it out there that he's yeah, got nothing know, to hide. He did, he'll, but, he'll do it. So we'll, we'll see what what he does and what his, his lawyers think he should do. I think the chances that he's going to meet with Robert Mueller are less 
likely than the chance that he's going to sit down with Kim Jong Un. Uh, I don't, and I, so I don't think that either one of them is going to happen. But or maybe all three of them should just get together. What the hell? Right? <laughs> I would pay to watch that. <laughs> Boy, I would too. Hey, good reporting on this stuff, Jonathan. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, uh, with us this morning uh, from the Hill. You always tell me, tell, uh, you always hear me tell you what a great newspaper the Hill is. TheHill.com because they run my column on Tuesdays. Right. When we come back, Democratic strategist Joel Payne joins us. Thank you, Jonathan Easley. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing, if you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Yet another woman has come forward yesterday uh, filing a lawsuit to get out from under a hush money agreement with the president of the United States, not to talk about her extramarital affair with him. This is in addition to Stormy Daniels. Is anybody keeping score? Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Wednesday, March 21. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Thanks for joining us with the Bill Press Show. Booming out to you with all the news of the day. There is lots of it, uh, starting in Austin, Texas, where the people of Austin can breathe a sigh of relief today. The serial bomber is dead. Uh, We'll tell you more about it. Uh, The victim, uh, it appears, uh, of a device that uh, in his own car that he exploded when he was approached and apprehended by law enforcement authorities. Here in Washington, D.C., yes, indeed, three women, three different women on three different fronts uh, compounding Donald Trump's problems uh, with uh, extramarital affairs or maybe even in one case of sexual assault pending in the New York Superior Court. Uh, And uh, now, needless to say, um, we are two days away now from a government shutdown and we may have a shutdown this weekend because there are lots, lots of problems still not resolved about funding for the wall, about protection for the Dreamers, and about a railway tunnel, much, much badly needed railway tunnel from New Jersey into New York City. Uh, so we may have a shutdown. I don't know how we get through all this without the help of our good friend Joel Payne, Democratic strategist in-house with us this morning. Hey, Joel, good to see you. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm great. We have lots to jump into, and we will. But first... This is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. So on the Stormy (laughs) Daniels front, Bill, here Uh is a very interesting story that uh, that NBC News reported yesterday. So back in 2011... She had given an interview about how she had had unprotected sex with Donald Trump in 2006. So the magazine gave her a lie detector test. And in the lie detector test, which again happened in 2011, Mm -hmm. 
it was found that she was more than 99%. There was a 99% probability that she told the truth. And what truth did she tell? Well, she said, just like I mentioned, she had unprotected sex with then-citizen Donald Trump in 2006, and that came back saying 99% probable that she's telling the truth. Now, I know the polygraph tests are not admissible in court, and they're not always the most reliable, but <laughs> we report, you decide. Has Donald Trump ever taken a polygraph test? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would imagine he has. It seems like something he would do. The showman in him would love to do something like that. Can you imagine what his score would be? <laughs> I think the test would melt. I think the actual yes, exactly. device would just uh, malfunction. Broke the test. We do know that PolitiFact found that 69% of everything Donald Trump says is yeah. not true. Yeah, exactly. False, mostly false, or liar, liar, pants on fire. 69%. By the way, uh, the latest news in Ben Carson's redecorating of his office. We saw the story about how he got a $31,000 dining set. Well, yesterday he had to answer for that when he went up in front of Congress. They mm -hmm. asked him specifically about it, and he blamed it all on his wife. Mm -hmm. yeah. He says that... Uh, threw candy under the bus. Threw candy completely under the bus. He says <laughs> he saw the receipt for the $31,000 table, and he said, what the heck is this all about? And he goes on to say that, you know, I didn't do any of the decorating. If it were up to me, my office would look like a hospital waiting room. Mm -hmm. At any rate, I invited my wife to come in and help me. So, yeah, like you said, he just completely threw Candy, Candy Carson under the bus. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the end of that story, by the way. I, I think that there's still more to come. But for now, just blame Candy. What's Armstrong Williams say? Nothing yet. <laughs> Nothing yet. Hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. The latest word from Austin. The bombing suspect is dead. The city of Austin out from under that uh, horrible scare and tragedy that they've been living under for the last um, couple of weeks. Tell you more details on that. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show. With that breaking news, we start the show today. Here on the Bill Press Show, uh, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., and our studio on Capitol Hill just down the street from the United States Capitol, where, um, yeah, believe it or not, uh, we're heading into perhaps another government shutdown, maybe another weekend government shutdown, because the, uh, the government runs out of money on Friday. We have a tentative agreement to keep it going, except that there are some uh, big issues in the way, unresolved issues, uh, and no chance yet that we've seen of, um, of uh, getting those settled uh, before the government shuts down. Uh, and meanwhile, yes, yesterday on three different fronts, Donald Trump uh, uh, facing allegations from women who uh, refuse to go away, is not able to dismiss them. Uh, he's fighting Stormy Daniels on one front and Karen McDougal on another and Summer Zervos on another uh, and his attorneys working overtime. That's why one of the reasons why he is lawyering up so much more and more lawyers every day. So much to talk about. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, joins us in studio. 
Uh, Joel, it's always good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Likewise, and congrats on the book. Uh, oh, really looking well, forward to reading it. Well, Saw you all over you. the place. Great, uh, great looking read. By the way, uh, thank you. Uh, it is out officially, just uh, since you mentioned from the left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, so it's your local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, or uh, as I mentioned, go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Maybe the easiest way to pick up one at a, at a great discount. Um, I uh, have to tell you that um, James Comey's book comes out you know, in a week. So uh, I'm not even going to try to keep up with James Comey. I realize that he'll sell more books uh, than I And I'm looking forward to his book as well. I'm sure you kept extemporaneous notes as well throughout <laughs> yes, all, exactly. of your, all of your dealings <laughs> with folks. So. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out that James Comey's book, as popular as it is, is not the number one book on Amazon today. Uh, the number one book on Amazon today is about Mike Pence's bunny. <laughs> so, oh my God. right. So we know that the Pences have this pet bunny whose name is Bundo, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Bundo. Marlon, Marlon, Marlon Bundo. Bundo. Marlon right. Bundo, right. And his daughter and wife put out a little book about Marlon. Well, John Oliver also put out a little story about Marlon Bundo as a gay bunny. <laughs> And uh, he calls him Botus, Bunny of the United States, not Botus, but <laughs> Botus at any rate. So um, Marlon falls in love with another rabbit here. I was just reading about this morning. And uh, he, it's, it's, so they're madly in love, these two bunnies, until this Scrooge, <clears throat> a.k.a. Mike Pence, says, no, two little boy bunnies can't get married. That's so great. Uh, but the, uh, there is a happy ending of the story, uh, apparently. A cat dressed in a cleric garb does marry the two the two bunnies. I don't know what happened to Scrooge or how that happened. But anyhow, the John Oliver Marlon Bundo is now the number one selling book yeah. on Amazon. Hell yeah. 2018. <laughs> I love yeah, you. Yeah, I love you, 2018. Really I know. Man. Isn't it great? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's the- That's uh, fantastic. Isn't it great? Yeah. The Dueling Rabbits. When two bunnies love each other very much and troll the pences, that's the headline in the New York Times this morning. It's number one spot on the best of list, knocking pre-ordered copies of the coming memoir by James Comey down to number two. Uh, I'm number three. Yeah, there you go. I wish. Right, there you yeah, go. Right, at any rate. <laughs> so check it out. i got to get a copy of that. It'll be funny to see. You, you mentioned, uh, Peter, uh, I wanted to ask you, Joel, what's up with this Ben Carson? I oh, mean, boy. Come on. Listen. The rule, by the way, is that uh, cabinet secretaries have $5,000 allowance that they're allowed to spend. And Carson says he knew nothing about it, but there are emails that came out that said he knew all about it. Well, look, there is a uh, issue on the home front with the Carsons <laughs> that I think he's got to probably deal with first. I think he's got to he's got to triage that situation. It's never a good <laughs> idea to throw your wife under the bus never uh, at a, a congressional a congressional hearing. Yeah, at a congressional um, hearing. But, you know, look, Ben Carson is just the latest example we've seen of really of misuse of public funds, right, with a lot of Trump administration officials. I mean, um, you know, you go all the way through his cabinet. Look at Scott Pruitt. Look at Ryan Zinke. Right. I mean, we've seen this over and over again. It's part of the reason why Tom, Tom Price, Price is no longer the HHS secretary. This is not surprising. And it shouldn't be surprising for a president who is I mean, let's just call him. He's the BSer in chief. Right. I mean, it's like 
<clears throat> I'm going to get the best people. We're going to we're you know, we're we're going to drain the swamp and he's just doubled down the swamp. That's all he's done. All he's done is bring in more swamp creatures Plus and created all, a bigger swamp. They're all grifters. I mean, they are all in it for Absolutely. the for the for the gold, right? Absolutely. I mean, Ivanka, um Jared holding business meetings at the White House and then making business deals the next day with the same his companies, you know, with the same people he's met with at the White House. Donald Trump. Uh, and the gold, of course, being a president that has no ideological core, so he is the most malleable human being on planet Earth. So one day he will he will be in your favor, and the other day, because he's meeting with somebody else, he's in someone else's favor. So that's the trade-off they've made. They've decided to trade off any <clears throat> any any type of uh, any 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 need to actually have a president that actually has a core for their own personal agenda. Right, and 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 uh, Ben Carson. Has just fits that mold. Right? Yes, it's just right, and it's 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 nonstop, right? It's petty you got, too. I mean, thirty one thousand dollars. I mean, come on. You got Scott Pruitt who put this uh, soundproof booth in the EPA, yeah. which <clears throat> costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You got Ryan Zanke with doors with the doors, which were uh, one hundred thirty nine thousand dollars. You got Stephen Mnuchin who spent. Yeah, I forgot about Mnuchin. You're like, right. A million dollars worth of flights already. Yeah, and right? flights, by the way, Pruitt, there's another story this yeah, morning, yes, $130,000 yes. first-class airfare. Great you Instagram got... photos, though. So yeah, yeah. yeah, the Instagram photos are, are very nice. Ryan Zinke uh, hiring a helicopter so he could go play golf with Mike Pence. Yeah. yeah. you got Shulkin, who, who went to Wimbledon and, <laughs> and faked a, an award ceremony that he was allegedly going to receive so he could go. Like these guys are grade A grifters, as you, you said. You know, you got to go back and look. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but in eight years, I don't remember one scandal like that. Well, uh, no, no, no. Uh, it's Solyndra. Don't forget. Yeah. Or so, Benghazi, right? I mean, right. those are those are the scandals, Bill. I got to correct you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look at both of them. But, but certainly, in the, if, if, uh, let's get to. But in the sense of people taking advantage of their position yes. to line their own pockets, none of it. Of course not. None of it. Uh, yeah. Can I tell you the thing that I'm burning on this morning? Yes. So, you know, we mentioned um, what happened in Austin, Texas, and I'm oh, so. In fact, I want to get up to date on that. Yeah. Okay. Right. In fact, can, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Peter, go ahead. Peter bring us because we do. Yeah, I give it, we knew very little when we started the show. We but. know a little bit more. There's been some reporting by KVU, uh, KVUE TV, and the Austin American Statesman. They both got into this a little bit. This is really fascinating, actually, because yesterday on the show we were talking about how there was an explosion at the FedEx drop-off store, which was kind of outside of San Antonio. Well, they saw the suspect on the uh, footage, footage yeah, yeah. surveillance footage from from the drop-off store so they found the suspect they used a combination of cell phone triangulation and they went through his google searches and they found this guy in round rock texas and they it, the reason that they found him pretty early on yesterday but they waited to try and apprehend him because they wanted to have a bomb unit on hand um, and that's how they tracked him down, and they engaged him, as we know, and then he set the bum off and killed himself. Um, one thing that the police officers did point out that's very, very important is they suspect that there are still more packages out there. Yeah. So yes. while 
This yeah. is the end of him. This is not the end of that story. And they've so, warned the uh, 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 citizens of Austin and could be some of these uh, delivery stores too. Or yeah, there could be say. a lot more. And they, they specifically, as you mentioned, the delivery stores, any like FedEx, yeah. you know, he could have dropped those off mm-hmm. days ago and they're still being delivered. So uh, be careful out there. 24-year-old white 24-year-old man. 24-year-old white male, still no name uh, on the gentleman that I've seen, uh, but that's how they found him, which is amazing. Your point, Joel. So a couple things on this. Number one, I'm sure we're going to classify this guy as a terrorist, right? I'm sure our president's going to do that. Oh, yeah. He's that, probably already called him uh, a terrorist. That, no, that's number he's one. He's not a terrorist because he's white. He's white, yeah. And he's not a Muslim. If if he was if he was Muslim or if he was a darker-skinned background, I'm sure I'm sure he'd be a terrorist. So that's Absolutely. number one. Number two, now I imagine that the, the law enforcement officials who helped to um, deal with this suspect— I imagine that part of that was the FBI, right? I imagine the FBI had a role in that. You know they did. Yes. Right. So I think it's interesting, right, that we've had our commander-in-chief for the last, what, three months waging a war against against our FBI, who all they've been doing this week is saving people's lives. And I'm not and I'm not issuing a carte blanche like lifetime free pass to the FBI for any misdeeds, right? I'm just making the point no, that our commander absolutely. in chief has been undercutting the FBI and this is the party of law and order. Yeah. Right? Oh, no. These are the people who who defend bad cops and bad you know, bad apples in law enforcement who kill African American motorists, people who have two year olds in the back seat, right? So so they, they attack they, they attack people who want to hold those bad apples accountable, but you have a president who has been waging a war against law enforcement, okay, for the better part of three months, all because he's being caught up in his own nonsense. Yeah. It's ridiculous, and it's, it's, it's pretty disgusting, actually. It's totally disgusting. No, and an excellent point. I'm glad you made that point. I mean, and so law, local law enforcement, they have a situation like this, which is bigger than they can handle. Where do they turn? They turn the same place that law enforcement all across the country turns. They turn to the FBI. And I'm sure. Because we know they're the best, they're the toughest, they're the smartest, they know this stuff, and they are on the job. And here, right, you've got the president of the United States with a full-out war against the FBI. And I wonder if it made their job. Not just the leadership, but everybody in the FBI. I wonder if it made their job easier or harder. That their commander in chief well, was was undercutting them publicly for the last three months. I wonder if that made it easier for them to save people's lives by taking out this person last night. Yeah. I, I really do. You know, it has an impact when when he, when he attacks the FBI as such. The FBI as such, right? The whole thing it's got to have an impact all the way down on everybody in that institution. That's disgusting and uh, an uh, excellent point. And this is a time where I wish more people on the other side of the aisle would stand up and say, hey, Mr. President, right, back off. Well, he's he's too busy tweeting about, you know, the biggest witch hunt in history. So, um, Or he's too busy actually watching Fox and Friends, which, you know. That's right. That's what he's yeah. really doing. Uh, yeah. Executive, executive time. time. Executive time. <laughs> okay. And, you know, he does have some other things on his mind. He should because, like yesterday, uh, was not a good day for uh, for Donald Trump on, on the on, on the uh, on, on uh, certainly on the legal front, so three things happened. One, um, Stormy Daniels we found out passed a lie detector test, uh, and she also came out. She keeps you know, just dropping little drip, drip, drip little hints about what really went on. Uh, talking about her relationship, saying that she didn't really sleep with him. There wasn't a lot of sleeping <laughs> <going> on. <laughs> Please. Uh, two. 
another, yet another woman has surfaced. So Stormy Dan's trying to get her 130000 back so she can talk. And she's got this interview this Sunday night on 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper. One. Two, Karen McDougal, former Playboy model, uh, she filed a lawsuit yesterday because she was paid 150000 by the National Enquirer to agree that they would not publish her story of an affair with Donald Trump, which she had given to the Enquirer. Donald Trump's the head of the Enquirer is a buddy of Donald Trump's. He told him about it. Donald Trump says, we can't happen. He gets Michael Cohen, his attorney, involved. They come up with this payment to this Karen McDougal. She has kept quiet so far. She wants to get out from under that. And then three, there's a woman named Summer Zervos, who's one of the 20 that have accused Donald Trump of actual sexual assault. She's a former apprentice, uh, uh, was on The Apprentice uh, contestant. Uh, her lawsuit in New York State, where Donald Trump's attorneys were in court yesterday saying, you got to dismiss this lawsuit because he's president of the United States. He can't be bothered with silly little stuff like this. And the judge said, hey, I don't buy that argument. He's not above the law. This case will go forward. So Stormy Daniels, Karen McDougal, and Summers Ovos yesterday, all of them, in effect, advanced their cases against the president of the United States. Joel, this has got to be trouble. Triple trouble. <clears throat> well, a couple things. Number one, every time Peter says unprotected sex with Donald Trump, I kind of get uh, a little yeah, queasy sorry, in folks, my stomach. So let's please, hopefully Peter can limit limit those comments going forward. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we'll say it again um, today. Second to <clears throat> Number two, look, we know this is – these are salacious details, right? And you got Stormy Daniels. You got lie detectors. You got, you know, porn actresses. You got all this stuff. I don't need a lie detector, okay? Donald Trump has, has put – portrayed himself as a creep, as someone who is unfaithful to business partners, to uh, his voters, and, of course, to a spouse. He's done it multiple times. So I don't I don't need a lie detector to tell me that. He brags like, I know about it. He brags about it. He bragged about it on the Access Hollywood tape. I don't need that. I'm less concerned about him as, you know, father of the year or husband of the year because we know there's no chance in hell he could actually be that. I'm more concerned about Donald Trump campaign finance and there's a real case here bill that this might be the thing the house of cards because that everything they use campaign money to pay <clears throat> to pay him off we know what this is his buddy at the inquirer bought karen mcdougall's story we i mean you know look this yeah, is all alleged yeah. I'll, I'll put the appropriate okay. uh, guide rails on it right <laughs> allegedly his buddies at the national uh, inquirer <laughs> bought her story and sat on it michael cohen making payments keeping these people quiet. One, keeping these women quiet from telling their stories, but also these are campaign finance, these are campaign donations. This is a campaign finance story. And I think the media has to make sure that we don't get caught up in the salacious details because I think that's where you start to lose the fence sitters, the people who yeah. who feel like Donald Trump is being attacked here for being imperfect. Look, whatever goes on in his house, if, if, he, if Melania Trump decides to stay with her husband, like that's her deal. I worked for Hillary Clinton, okay? I I don't want to be a hypocrite here, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, she decided to stay with her husband. That's her deal. That's not for us to decide how they legislate their marriage. What is for us to decide is, was he behaving appropriately, okay, as a candidate for president? And I think there's a lot of doubt now, and I think we've seen there's a lot of evidence that needs to be looked into as to whether or not he was he was skirting campaign finance laws. That's a real story. And I think that could actually be the thing that everything falls apart under. That could really trip him up. Yes. Right. And so, in effect, these <clears throat> payments were contributions to his campaign. Yes. 
which of course were not reported. Yes, yeah. yes, and and look, also as someone who used to work for John Edwards, this is what took down John Edwards, right? This is this is what he was actually indicted on. Was this not his behavior, which was reprehensible, but it's what he did to cover up that behavior. And so this bears a lot of watching because the Russia stuff, look, the president and his team have done a very good job of attacking the referee, of throwing sand in the face of the American people, of confusing people and disorienting people about the Mueller investigation. They can't do it about this. <laughs> this is this is pretty straightforward. People get this. Mm-hmm. I had multiple affairs. I was trying to cover them up. I was running for president and I had my sycophants pay off people to keep them quiet. People get that story, and I think it bears a lot of watching here in the next couple of months and couple of weeks. And next week, Stormy Daniels' interview on 60 Minutes, oh, yeah. uh, that could be the thing that, that breaks the dam open. Uh, so Sunday is 60 Minutes with Stormy Daniels. Tomorrow night uh, is Karen McDougal, the Playboy former Playboy model, with uh, Anderson Cooper on his own show, through, uh, A360, on, on CNN. Uh, last night was a... Um, Republican fundraiser for the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, Donald Trump, the keynote speaker, and he sort of uh, tripped up, at least uh, surprised a lot of Republicans there, uh, by declaring that Republicans lost Pennsylvania 18. Rick Saccone still has not conceded, and Republicans are talking about maybe a recount, and Donald Trump says... No, we went in there. It was close, but we lost. Um, so what's your take on Pennsylvania 18? How significant is it? So um, this is actually, I'm, I'm glad to discuss this topic. I think Democrats have to really be careful here with taking taking too much out of Pennsylvania 18. Connor Lamb was a great candidate. He's the right candidate for that district. And I think the all the folks who were involved in recruiting this candidate Giving him the resources, giving his campaign the resources, all deserve a lot of applause and a lot of a lot of plaudits. That is a snapshot, and it's a long time between then and November. And I think actually something that, as a Democrat, I'm concerned about is the narrative has gotten away from us a little bit here. Even if Democrats have a great night on November, whatever it is, fourth or fifth, um, in a couple of months. We still need 25 seats. I believe the number is 24, 24, 24, 25 seats to actually take back the House. Even if you had a great night where you had 15 to 20 seats, you still might not be able to take back the House. Now, the court decision in Pennsylvania makes it a lot easier, and I imagine that other states will try to follow suit and try to actually mimic what happened in Pennsylvania to challenge some of the congressional redistricting and whatnot. But... I don't believe you can take a lesson from Connor Lamb winning in a special election against a bad candidate um, in, a, in, in a district, in a part of the country where he's got better name ID than a Republican. There's too many factors there that make it hard for me to say that's the bellwether that shows we're going to go and kick butt in, in November. I, but on I the other hand, it's a district that Donald Trump won by 20 points. It is. It is. And look, it, it should be no surprise. Donald, the, the people who voted for Donald Trump realize Donald Trump is full of it. Right. OK. And and, and they have rejected the Trump agenda. Right. I mean, I, I, I spoke somewhere else earlier this week. Donald Trump, the Trump agenda is failing in the heart of Trump country. OK. So, yes, that's a story. And that's something for Democrats to build on. I still don't think we have a message yet 
that cuts through. Do you know what our message is yet? By our, I mean a democratic message or a progressive message. Do you know what that message is yet? Well, well, Can you d- d- decipher No, certainly it? it's got to be more than Donald Trump's doing a lousy job. We told you so. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Or I'm not Donald Trump. Or And, and it's got to be something that cuts through. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy. Well, Connor but Connor Lamb found, it, found in it in that yet. district. He did in that district. Right. A small test case. I don't know if we're going to be able to replicate that. I'm hopeful we can. I think we'll have a good night. I'm also still worried about the Senate. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't feel quite as good about the Senate as I do about the House. Big primary night last night in Illinois. Uh, Have you had a chance to take a look? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So we have J.B. Pritzker, right, the Mm -hmm. Democratic candidate uh, against Bruce Rauner. Yeah. Uh, how did it play across? What's your take then? Well, so my take there is um, very interesting. I think you have two relatively unpopular <laughs> candidates who prevailed last night. Um, and by unpopular, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the air in in Illinois. There was a, there was a f- night of uh, JB Pritzker's celebration party or whatever, and there was nobody there. Mm. I mean, there was nobody there. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I I was I was trying to I was trying to uh, undercut it a little bit, but yeah, it, it, he's not Sorry. he's not the most popular. He's not the most popular of winners, and neither is Bruce Rauner, by the way. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're actually going to see a lot of what you saw in kind of Clinton versus Trump, right? I think you have two relatively unpopular candidates who prevail there, and it's going to be it's expected to be one of the most expensive general election races in the country in the history of non presidential races. Um, I think it says something interesting, though, about where, can, where, where the kind of proxy war is between kind of traditional mainstream Democrats or moderate center-left Democrats and progressive Democrats, right? Because you had Chris Kennedy, you had Daniel Bliss, who were the other two candidates there who were really pushing Pritzker. And Pritzker had a lot of uh, unforced errors and still was able to prevail. So I— I think with a lot of with a lot of his own with money. a lot of money with about seventy million dollars of his own money, Kennedy put in his own money as well. They, they yeah. all had stuff against them, but you had the two money candidates that emerged. So I think what it tells us is that um, look, as much as we would like to think that there's going to be this progressive tsunami um, that sweeps up in 2018 and leads into 2020, I don't know if we're quite there yet because Illinois is a state where I think that was a ripe place for for that to be kind of tested. And I don't know if we saw that happen uh, based on, you know, what the results were last night. Uh, I saw that Bernie Sanders put out a statement this morning congratulating Chuy Garcia, who was he supported for mayor. Yes. Uh, is now going to be the Democratic nominee in the uh, fourth congressional district, I believe. Right. Also, a very conservative dem, Daniel Lipinski, won a very hotly contested primary Versus a very strong progressive, very candidate. strong progressive, supported by our revolution, yes. uh, supported by Jan Schakowsky yes. too, Marie Newman. Yes. Uh, yeah. So again, so. I don't, I don't know if that means. I think the party so lot, is still of, rustling with this. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the kind of turmoil, or a lot of it, was during in the Democratic primary. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, and the D tri- and the D is under a lot results, of fire. Say. They're under a lot of fire, not just mm-hmm. in Illinois, but you think about what happened with Laura Moser in Texas and whatnot. Finding these candidates, it's it's a, it's a real challenge in this environment. Do you see a blue wave coming? I okay. Again, I think a blue wave could even not be what we wanted to be. Right, a blue wave. I I call fifteen to twenty seats a blue wave. And that still might not get us where we need to go. I don't want 15 to 20 seats. I want 30 seats. I, hey, 30, 40, 50 40. seats would be great. Yeah. Have a real right. ruling majority and really be able to kind of stick it to Trump. Right. I don't know if we're going to get there. All right. Well, I'll tell you one guy who's going to help us get there, if we get there, 
uh, have a big deal to do with our getting there is the co-chair of the Progressive Caucus of the House of Representatives, the good Congressman Mark Bocan from Wisconsin. Uh, he joins us next. Joel, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks man. for having me. Always good to see you. Always. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll take a quick break right back here on this Wednesday edition of the Bill Press Show. Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And on a Wednesday, March 21, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back here. The Bill Press Show coming to you live, as always, from our uh, studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, those great men and women, Teachers of America, made such a difference in West Virginia under the leadership of President Randy Weingarten. And uh, front page New York Times today says they are gearing up to do the same thing in Oklahoma. Power to the teachers. Uh, we thank the uh, AFT for their support of the program. Direct you to their website, AFT.org. Last night, uh, Republican donors gathered with Republican members of Congress for a big fundraiser for the Republican Congressional Campaign Committee. Uh, speaking as a keynote speaker, uh, Donald Trump, first of all, surprised people by uh, bemoaning the fact that Republicans lost Pennsylvania's 18 congressional district race, uh, that uh, Rick Saccone, the Republican candidate there, by the way, still hasn't conceded defeat, but the president basically told him last night, you're a loser. Uh, <laughs> and then he also made a promise uh, to the Republicans there, the president promising here is what's on his agenda for 2018. I am going to campaign all across this country to elect Republicans so that we can reduce taxes further, reduce crime, increase jobs, and make our communities safe and prosperous and secure. Joel Payne's been with us uh, here and stays with us as a Democratic strategist. We're joined by the good Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin's 2nd District. So, Congressman... Is that music to your ears? I think he should go to more <laughs> fundraisers and travel across the country more and campaign on behalf of Republicans. He could bring Stormy with him, and he'd probably even get more attention. So, you know, yeah, right. I think we could make this work. What was the name of her, her tour that she did, Make America Horny Again? Make America Horny Again. I think that's a perfect name for it. Go for it. it. My office is trying to get me to call this Stormy Daniels Day, since we're getting this snowstorm in D.C., you know, oh, we got to get that out there, too. Oh, I like I, you that. Know. Yeah. No, that's... That's good, right? But um, you, you think some of those members, the Republican members of Congress, sitting there last night, might have said, "Oh, please don't!" <laughs> Over there, they all yeah, pointed right. to somebody else's district. Else. Go there, go there, go there, go there. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll get more into that. But Congressman, uh, the um, the news of the day is. Uh, that uh, Mark McCabe, who was fired by uh, Jeff Sessions over the weekend, two days short of uh, having his full pension, uh, federal pension, uh, kick in. He needs, needs another two days of government service. You have offered him a job. Is, yeah. he coming, is, he, is he coming to work for Congressman Mark Pocan? Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to come work for us, but, you know, what got us was uh, Saturday morning to seeing what happened on Friday night where, you know, they fired him two days short of getting his full retirement. I mean, this is a typical Donald Trump 
you know, trying to pretend he's a mafioso thug, uh, you know, behavior. He's going to cross anyone who dares to to go and be a witness for the Mueller investigation, his ongoing attempt to try to derail this thing. Uh, he is going to not just ruin you, but he's going to ruin your family and your future and your pension. And that's what he was trying to send a very cold message to anyone else out there. So, you know, I just simply being a guy from Wisconsin, you don't, you know, mess around with someone's pension, right? I mean, I grew up in a lower middle class family. That's ruining someone's future. So we just said, yeah, hey, look, we'll hire you and you can give us a couple day report on, you know, major crime families in Washington. And then later <laughs> we put out a more legitimate job offer, which is, you know, I mean, nonpartisan election work, security work. We do right. a lot of work yeah. around that. But bottom line is that other people have also done offers. All I care about is uh, that, you know, this is someone who gets a pension at the end of the day. Uh, Donald Trump didn't win with his, uh, you know, lack of any human decency, uh, which is what he tried to do. And I'll tell you, people, I had conservatives who, again, just support law enforcement who were upset with what Donald Trump did because, again, how he operates. So. Um, we've talked to Andrew's people, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if he needs, um, oops, if he needs, uh, some support, we're going to be glad to, uh, do whatever we can to make sure he's got a position and so have others. And that's the, the bottom line. It really did. uh, Joe, you and and I talked about this a little earlier. I mean, it was, it was petty. It was mean spirited and it was done. It's just gross. Right. right. I mean, it's this guy who, by the way, has spent the last 20 years go look at Andrew McCabe's like track record, right? He's been fighting terrorists (laughs) for the last 20, 25 years, and the president, because his wife had the audacity to run on the Democratic ticket, okay, in Virginia, decided that he was not worthy of an FBI position. It's just, it's disgusting. And he was going to destroy him. And I just think, you know, this goes to my narrative about what happened in that special election in Wisconsin is, you know, people don't want one of the qualities of your president to be that they're cruel. And, you know, what we noticed in those suburban counties in that state Senate special Your election Senate we had, yeah, where it was... Just seven, before Pennsylvania 18, that was a, the, the n- newest or latest win. And it's about a third of the size of a congressional district in a mm-hmm. western kind of rural part of Wisconsin. Trump won it by 17 points. Our candidate won by 10 points. And I would argue the difference was, especially in those suburban bedroom communities of St. Paul... A lot of people who don't have a D or an R in their minds when they you know, wake up in the morning came out to vote because a lot of people, especially a lot of women we noticed, came out to vote because they are tired of having awkward conversations forced upon them uh, with their kids about what an asshole is, uh, what a porn star, uh, why you give money to a porn star, and what a very fine Nazi or Klansman is. And people, I think, really, you know, this is that behavior that they are so over, and uh, this was just another example. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Wednesday, March 21. February, March 23, the government runs out of money. Boy, haven't we heard this, <laughs> haven't we heard this story before? Um, about every six weeks, every whatever, once a month. Uh, shut down this weekend? I'm guessing not ultimately. I think what it's, you know, if, if you put a, a room full of monkeys with a typewriter and abacus, you could probably get a, a omnibus done quicker than, you know, this group. I mean, they just can't. Within their own caucus, there's so many divisions. They're always, Paul Ryan is always trying to make the Tea Party happy. And he lets them go to a certain degree. He knows they're not going to vote for the final product no matter what they do. And then he has to come and then try to bring it back to the the place to get this done. I think they'll get there. They may use today as an excuse, thanks to Stormy Daniels outside our storm here in Washington, yeah. D.C. That might be their uh, way to... <laughs> they may be their excuse, but, I mean, it has been pathetic to watch again. I mean, from last week, all the policy writers still to make the Tea Party happy. 
you know, this has been my main beef with Paul Ryan is that, you know, John Boehner at least would stand up to the Tea Party four times a year, you know, do something, get yelled at for a couple months, maybe go hit a bar for a one, month, <laughs> take a break. That was the one time that Boehner would say, okay, look, we just got to bring this to a vote. And, yeah. and with the help of Democrats, he would get his budget and about done. four times a year, we got something done. We get nothing done with Paul Ryan because he won't stand up to them. And, uh, you know, this is another example. I mean, I think ultimately they have to get to resolution because well, how many continuing resolutions has it been this year just to get to the point to get to September 30th funding? Uh, but it's been a really sloppy, ugly process. But yet again, Joel, uh, one of the outstanding issues, uh, Dreamers, it looks like. Yes. Going to punt again? No, no protection. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the dreamers issue and Congressman, I'm, I'm curious about your your thoughts here. Like the the president has really reframed this issue and, and made it into, or has attempted to make it into, Democrats refusing to make a deal to make a deal. And I think what we've seen from this president is nothing is a sac- is sacred in terms of negotiating. Everything's about negotiating because again, he has no core. He doesn't care about right. these issues. He doesn't care about these constituents, these people, their stories. He's made that clear. They're all a negotiating ploy. And I think just for you, Congressman, how are you managing that? How is your caucus managing that? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, that I think the good news is that people who actually care about this issue strongly know that Democrats have fought for this issue on multiple levels. I was one of those early folks on said, hey, no continuing resolution unless we get this done, because DACA was never a problem until the president broke it. But what you said is exactly right. You can't trust this guy negotiating. Early on, months and months ago, right after he did that, there was a deal between Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and the president, essentially for some additional roads uh, along the border and some drones. Nothing about a border wall or anything else. He agreed to it. Next day, he had a rally in some state that I will never vacation in. And uh, next thing you know, uh, he changed his you know plea again for uh, a wall. And then... Um, just a couple months back, Chuck Schumer had a deal once again, and like an hour, hour and a half later, the president's mm-hmm. staff came out and said what the president really meant was, well, if you can't trust this guy, which is very clear now, that's the problem. So the advocates know we have done everything possible to try to get this done. We didn't break it. He broke it. There is no problem with the folks who are in the DACA program. But you know what it's actually done is made all these young really bright, talented people say, you know what, it's not just about us. It's our parents, too, now. And I think it's actually helped organize us in a better place overall on this issue. So uh, no one's buying his you know, rhetoric, except for maybe the 35% that are never going to leave him. Uh, and uh, in this particular case, we're just going to keep working towards it. I'm just glad that the courts have bought us that additional time. And I think also, too, it's interesting. You see what happened with Mayor Schaff in Oakland. You're putting local officials now in a position where they have to decide between quietly allowing Trump and ICE, which honestly, I'd rather not focus on the ICE officials because I I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the commander in chief and I think it's the direction that the administration is giving. But you're putting local officials in a position where they have to sit back and watch people and families be torn apart and destroyed. And that's terrible. That's a that's a miserable place to put a mayor or, you know, I mean, I'm sure you deal with your local delegation of officials. Them to know that and to know these people, right? Mayor Schaff probably knows a lot of these families. She probably deals with a lot of these folks, and I'm sure that story is being told all across the country. Well, and this is the GOP, the Trump family values, right? He, he's getting, he paying off porn stars $130,000 and then trying to sue them for $20 million for something allegedly that didn't happen, which, again, in the Midwest— 
doesn't pass the smell test, uh, but they're willing to tear apart families from kids who've done nothing but want to go and get a higher education or improve their lives to help be a part of this country. And again, it's just not passing the smell test. And people, um, I think, again, who aren't D's and R's are just looking at this with, with great contempt. And that's why we're seeing all these victories on the state legislative level since he became president. One other issue, of course, uh, is um, the funding for the wall, where um, you're right, it wasn't around in the very first agreements that they reached. Mm-hmm. But um, Trump wants $24 million for the wall. Wanted it the last time. Didn't get it. Still agreed uh, uh, with the resolution of it. Is it going to happen this time? Again, we don't have quite the final package. I'm going to caucus immediately after this, and maybe we'll have an update on this. Um, I'll tell you what I appreciate is uh, my colleague Luis Gutierrez, who, again, I think has been a brilliant member of Congress, and I hate to see him leaving, although Chuy Garcia is going to be a great new addition to Congress, who won his primary yesterday. Um, But one of the things he says about it, he goes, when he was saying he would be okay with a little funding for all, he goes, fine. He goes, we can tear it down later. He goes, you know, just like, <laughs> why are we playing around with these, you know, Trump he arguments? Said, I was with him on MSNBC one day when he said, I'll go down there and I'll, I'll help right. build it. Yeah, exactly. It'll help these kids. I'll go down yeah, there and help because build Because the bottom line brick is 800,000 or, you know, yeah. seven, 800,000 people's lives. Let's fix this problem. And the rest is just a wall. It's a little, it'll be a start, a start of a wall that you can yeah. tear down. So I think that when someone who's such a strong advocate, like Louise is saying that, I mean, that should give us all a little maybe better guidance that um, if this is the path that they're really going to hang out, which I'm not sure if, if other members care about this issue as intensely as Donald Trump because oh, of his rallies. So. That'll be the determining factor on the funding. Well, and don't then, worry. Mexico's going to pay us back for the wall. So. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It'll be okay. So <laughs> don't even worry about the well, funding. Well, at least if we get an IOU, yeah. right? Yeah, that's yeah. what matters. Uh, I right. forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, right. so yeah. don't worry, guys. <laughs> now, the other thing that I really not spend too much time on this, but I, I cannot understand for the life of me. This is the president who talked about a trillion-dollar uh, infrastructure plan. He's Mr. Infrastructure. We've had three different weeks so far, which was inf- Infrastructure Week. <laughs> And here is probably the most important infrastructure project in the entire country, which is to put a decent tunnel from New Jersey into New York, the most trafficked train route in the entire country. And Donald Trump is opposed to this new tunnel, as was Chris Christie before. What? What's going on? Where is that coming from? Just because Chuck Schumer wants it? Well, probably (laughs) This is near and dear to my heart. I'm a New Jersey guy. You know this. So I'm from. It's near I grew and dear up, to mine because I use Amtrak all the time. Right. To go to New York. Right. But I mean, I know the wretched condition that those tunnels and whatnot are. I mean, and they're you, like you, 19th you, century tunnels. You, should, you should really, you should honestly, you should pray every time you go through that nothing. And I mean, I'm being kind of facetious, but seriously. Oh, yeah. No, like I, those are, those are, are very, very old, dated technology. Yes. And, and, and yeah, it means something locally for those folks. But. All across the country. I mean, we know what happened in Minnesota about a decade ago. We saw what just happened with that project down in Florida, um, that local commuter bridge um, that yeah. had collapsed at the at Florida International University. That terrible incident. There's a lot of crumbling infrastructure across the country. But if the president is basically using personal vendetta again to prevent an, an important local issue from being addressed, it's just another you know in the hall of shame of Donald Trump. 
But you're starting out with a fallacy that Donald Trump said he wants to build infrastructure. That means he wants to build infrastructure, yeah, right? Because yeah. Donald Trump Good is point. is yeah. not consistent on anything. Um, you know, just interesting statistic on bridges. Uh, one out of every six bridges in this country is old enough to be eligible for Medicare. When you talk about infrastructure, right? I mean, so we clearly need that. We just did a poll. The Progressive Caucus did a nationwide poll in 30 swing districts across the country and then with some progressive surge voters. Very interesting results. First of all, you can run as a economic progressive populist anywhere in the country and get elected. I mean, it was very clear. Off the top of the charts were issues like prescription drugs, health care, um, fighting corporate and Wall Street power, uh, and infrastructure. One of the top, I think it was uh, number three or number four on the poll, it said when you wanted to invest $2 trillion to support, and we it did it in a to try to test some race language for white, brown, and black um, people to help invest in, in create jobs and rebuild their infrastructure. It pulled off the charts in swing districts. Uh, so again, this is something that people clearly want us to do, and, and we found, I think, a better way to even frame it than maybe people have been talking about, because we tested it in several different ways, and uh, I, I, we just need to actually do something. But Donald Trump's plan at best was marginal amount of money, mm. let a bunch of private sector companies come in and buy things to- 200 million. For yeah, a trillion. Charge right. tolls. Yeah. I tell you, in 98% right. of Wisconsin, there's no money to be made on infrastructure, right? So there's no company that's going to come in and between uh, Plain, Wisconsin, and Madison put in something. So, uh, again, rural areas of America would be But he views everything out. through the eyes of a businessman. And I hope, and I keep saying this, and I'm going to speak it into existence, we can finally end this fallacy of you can run the government like a business. Right. You cannot Amen. run the government like a business. People, right. lives depend on this. This is not a, you're not trying to satisfy a board of investors or a boardroom. People really rely on, they want to make sure their Medicare is is delivered, their, their payments are delivered. They want to make sure that government services, they want to make sure when it snows outside that people can plow uh, the road so they can get around safely. Government is not a business. We should That should be part of our mantra as well. Although to Donald Trump, um, if you could go bankrupt, then you could get rid of the deficit. <laughs> And he's good at getting going bankrupt. Uh, yeah, that's just, uh, <laughs> he um, is very good. Uh, Congressman uh, Joel and I were talking in the last half hour a little bit about Pennsylvania 18. I'd like to get your take there because uh, I, I got this question a lot as a Bernie bro and as a progressive uh, afterwards saying, boy, how could I support a candidate like Connor Lamb? I mean, he was pr- practically, he's so conservative, he's practically a, re- a Republican, right? And, um, um, What's your take on a, a candidate? I mean, now, we know that he was not 100% where you and I might be on the issues, right? Well, first of all, the election wasn't on social issues, right? So where we may have some small differences wasn't why Connor Lamb won. And he was sort of a Tim Kaine, for, for example, on abortion, right? Personally, but those, I don't believe in it, but, but I'm... But I he didn't run on, right that's why choice. I'm going to Congress. That, no. right? What yeah. he ran on he was... He was pro-choice, for, but women should have that yeah. choice. But he ran on a progressive, I would argue, populist, populist for sure, economic message, which was, let's support unions and people's right to collectively bargain. Let's support trade that keeps jobs in America. Let's fight for Social Security and Medicare. Those are all things that we put in every progressive caucus budget uh, that we put out there. So I would argue he ran on a very populist, progressive economic message. And that's why voters were a betrayal of the middle class. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, everyone, there is an interesting, and I was listening to some of your conversation earlier, uh, you know, fight to define everything, right? Like yesterday, Lipinski won at 51 49 against Marie Newman. Well, there's a lot of reasons why, you know, that campaign actually 
imploded in the final week or so. And, and I think there'll be some articles that come out uh, probably about exactly what happened. But a sitting incumbent whose father was in Congress before just won a primary by a fraction uh, of the vote because uh, people do want you to stand up for something uh, that is a little more than just, you know, what Washington sometimes has as a set of values. So I, I think, you know, Connor Lamb uh, represented a lot on an economic populist message that our caucus and Democrats in general would be wise to be replicating. And don't forget, he really connected it to local issues. And I think that's the other key part. Um, we need to connect these a lot more to the local districts and not try to take national messages and have the same cookie cutter message in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and New Mexico. Uh, so would you agree with the premise that I guess generally stated, you need a candidate who fits the district? Fits the district maybe believes in something besides getting elected <laughs> to Congress as their sole and, uh, and top yeah, motivating I, factor. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and connects with voters. I mean, I'll tell you, the, the things that the two things I think that were remarkable about a Bernie Sanders race was um, one, uh, authenticity really mattered and it still matters. And two, he showed that you don't have to suck up to every special interest in order to raise money to run a campaign, that you can raise it in low-dollar contributions, which we're seeing now across the country. So if nothing else came out of that campaign, those two things have put us all in a better place uh, for looking at November. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and um, no, no, I'm, I'm no, going to button up. No, button no, up no you're, fine. you're fine. Uh, I want to come back to, so this Saturday, uh, I'm very excited about this uh, March for Life. Uh, it's going to happen here in Washington. It's going to happen... They've blocked off Pennsylvania Avenue from 3rd all the way down to 12th. Um, I'm, I'm going to be out there, uh, Carol and I, with friends, and it's going to be happening all over the country. Uh, but the question is, what's going to be happening in the United States Congress on the issue of uh, gun safety? Um, Steny Hoyer yesterday just made the comment, bring a bill to the floor. That's all we ask. We'll take it from there. Just give us a give us a chance to vote on some of these yeah, things. Do you see anything? This has been... A big issue yeah. you've talked about for a long time. Crickets, pure crickets is what we're getting out of uh, Paul Ryan. They're afraid to stand up to the gun manufacturers once again. But the good news is this does feel different than after Pulse. You know, after Pulse, we sat in, took over the floor of Congress. I was very proud of that moment and my colleagues for doing that. But, you know, it yeah, just didn't yeah. still catch. This one is catching because you've got these high school students very, again, authentically telling their stories, and they're not afraid of the NRA like a bunch of politicians. We need to be as brave as the high school students are right now, and clearly the Republican caucus doesn't have a lot of brave people. So uh, they're not willing to put much forward. They tried to put a little bit of a, you know, one bill out last week that we supported that did very, very little. Bottom line is American public supports us on background checks, on assault weapons, on a few other pretty simple issues that would put us in a lot better and safer place. And um, I would, would argue, again, I think this issue feels different. And I think this could have an effect, and it may have an election effect as well. Right. You, you, I mean, you're a, 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 a veteran organizer here, Joel. Yes. I mean, these kids are showing some real moxie. These kids, it's, uh, man, it's inspiring to see yeah, these yeah, kids on is. TV. Yeah. Um, and it's infuriating to see how they're being attacked online also. Um, you know, I think Democrats here, and I'm curious as the congressman's opinion on this, the negotiating posture with guns, it's all wrong. And it's kind of how we used to do health care, where we used to take the uh, the public option off the table 
even as a negotiating <laughs> posture, right? So Democrats, it feels like background checks, which is not, that's not revolutionary, right. right? That you should have a background check before you get a gun, that it should be harder to get a gun than it is to get a driver's license, right? That's not a revolutionary idea, but that has become kind of the, well, this is the position that everybody would throw a party over, when in reality, that's the moderate position. Shouldn't right. there be a more progressive position at stake? How about raising the age from state? 18 to 21? Sure. As yeah. if that means yeah. anything. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, and that and the assault ban, yes. we actually did discharge petitions on. So again, you, you know how that's like a sign of where leadership is also at. So I don't necessarily think there's a... Um, a, a, you know, people are afraid to put the bigger issue out on guns right now. Um, if you're willing to talk that one, uh, that is one of the big issues, right? Uh, outright assault ban weapon. Absolutely. So I, I think that's positive, right? We did have that. Now, to be fair, we have a few Democrats who have Trump districts that have been afraid to uh, take much on on this issue. And again, the high school students are leading us across the country. But, you know, I've got high school students, not just in Madison in my district, like you'd expect, but in Baraboo. In my district, which is not, you know, the largest city or the most uh, progressive community. And yet 300 kids got together to talk out on this issue. That's going to have an impact. And, um, you know, I so far I'm not seeing Democrats be too timid other than in maybe about 15, 20 districts. They're not going to talk about it. But from the rest of our perspective, uh, we've taken this on pretty seriously. Uh, and that wraps us up here, folks, for today. Congressman Mark Burkan from Baraboo, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> How about it? <laughs>